Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a good episode. I'm going to talk about the time period that Spooner was writing in around the Civil War, used the Civil War and Lincoln's inaugural address to show people that the way the concons confuse people about law and order and the way politicians speak and violate the Constitution, it's never changed. And the fact that they support Lincoln as though Lincoln was actually some man supporting the Constitution or fighting for slavery is just such a fundamental con job. And it's really, really important people understand that because as long as people keep acting as though the Constitution isn't the problem, bad people are the problem, uh, we're never going to fix anything. Never going to fix anything. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell them the truth. The truth is I believed in all that constitutional conservative horseshit for years and years and years. I used to run around promoting it. <laughs> I mean, just making a complete jackass of myself in retrospect. And then about 25 years ago, I got the internet. And in fairly short order, I figured out I'd been conned, scammed. The entire thing was a grift to keep me on a tax-paying plantation. And those constitutional conservatives make tens of millions of dollars conning people. And when I figured that out, I became self-certified as a master practitioner. And I've also given myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for all the great work I've done on this podcast, and I think I've earned it. <laughs> and I give myself these fake awards because I like to shine a light on how absurd all the official credentials are and that they make absolutely no difference in getting things right. None. My fake awards are a hell of a lot more legit than their bogus-ass official credentials. <laughs> all right, let's get this show going. So I thought I would do a show about the background that Spooner was writing in because it's essential, I think, in understanding the kinds of things he was seeing that shaped him, no different than the pandemic and 911 and all this other crap. You have to remember what that guy was living through. Not only was he very intelligent, but I think it really helps to show how screwed up everything is now. All you have to know is that he was generally born in 1800, so that whatever year it is in 1800, that's how old Spooner is. So basically, when the Civil War broke out, he was basically 60. And when he wrote No Treason, he was in his late 60s and is almost 70. And I want to do a couple of things today. One, I want to kind of give people an idea that the most important thing, in my opinion, that has to happen is first people have to understand that the structure of the government is completely and totally nothing like what they think. That it's not about freedom. It's not about the rule of law. They love to talk about the rule of law, and constitutional conservatives love to act like the rule of law is so important. But whenever it matters, the rule of law is always thrown out. First of all, they don't even know what the rule of law means, and ultimately it's just a statutory construction, and none of it's actually true. And the reality is that the government, until the Constitution itself starts getting blame, until the structure of the government starts getting blame for the problems we have, it's not the only reason we have problems, but a structure like it exists in the Constitution can never work to do what people think it's going to do, getting back to it and all this crap. If we were to get back to it, then, yeah, lots of different problems would be solved, but the system we have can never get back to it. See, it can never, ever get back to it. We haven't had it for so, so long. And as long as people continue to imagine that the Constitution is this fantastic system, we have no chance because 
the system of the Constitution only works if you have the right people in there. And any type of system of government that only works if you have the right people in there is a system of government that will never work because you will never have the right people in government. Might you have one or two every once in a while here and there? Yeah, sure. Of course you might. I mean, it could. But overall, government is always going to be full of nothing but a bunch of criminals and thieves because government itself is nothing but a bunch of criminals and thieves. And under the constitutional structure, the government has the right to tax you. And then it has the so-called supremacy law. And it can just simply write statutes. And then it supposedly grades its own paper with the Supreme Court. And so when you have a structure like that, it can never work. You're never going to get the right people in there because it's simply an arm of criminal enterprise in order to abuse people. And unless and until the mass majority of people can start to understand that, we're never, ever going to get out of this mess. It's true that jury nullification would protect us in a huge amount, even if we just got 5 or 10% of the population, but we're not even getting close to that. But if we did, then it could work and we might be able to buy some time. I'm just saying that unless people catch on to the actual game of government, that government itself, as it's set up, when it takes taxes against your will and does all these different things with these armed goons and they just write this shit down, they make up anything they want, and then they come around and enforce it until people understand that that structure is a criminal structure and can never work and never produce freedom, we don't have a chance. And the concons constantly push this idea that it's this incredible freedom machine. And it's just not true. See, it's just not true. And it traces back, really, uh, if you want to argue about what the Constitution was when ratified, that's fine. You're never going to be able to determine what was in the hearts of men. And that's why I don't spend too much time on the original founding fathers and explaining all the different shit they did and didn't do. I'm not going to read all their letters and everything else because they're not relevant. Only thing that was relevant was what was the public debate what were the people actually voting on? Who actually got to vote? And all those things already prove that the thing is complete crap. On top of the fact that no generation can bind any other generation. And the people living at that time, they all knew that. And it's all just been completely totally distorted since then. But the reality is, since the Civil War, nothing like a constitutional voluntary association of states or people has existed. And nothing about the Constitution has been followed. There's a very clear delineation from pre-Civil War, both jurisprudence, and then after the Civil War, once they packed the court in the late 1860s in order to jam through these legal tender laws, which we're going to cover soon, it was all over. The types of opinions you got from the court were complete crap from there forward. They just went downhill over and over and over and over again. That's all that happened. They got worse and worse. And until that time, the court actually had all sorts of opinions that it issued that were really very good. As far as a legal matter goes, the people just weren't happy about it. And what I'm going to do today is show people by reading from Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address, which Spooner heard, of course, probably not right away, but it got disseminated relatively quickly. And so... He's seeing this. He's seeing the country so-called go to war with regards to this document over an issue that makes no sense, which is the federal government trying to enforce itself upon the southern states. And when he's reading that, he's, I'm sure, thinking, well, this is utter crap because it's the same kind of thing you would see from Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Bush or Obama, or Clinton, or Mitch McConnell, or anybody else, Ron DeSantis, just a complete load of shit where they act as though they're so concerned about the rule of law and 
the rule of law being this fantastic thing that's so amazing, Supreme Court being this and that. But the reality is that they simply ignore it all. Just like they talk about building back better and keeping inflation under control and doing things for our national security. It's all lies. Everything they say is lies. And Lincoln's very first inaugural address is a classic example of it, and I think it's helpful. And it was given at a time when Dred Scott came out in 1857, okay, so just a couple years before the war. That means Spooner's in his late 50s when this thing comes out. He's a long time, very, very well-qualified kind of thinker and lawyer and everything else at that time. And what was Dred Scott really about, right? What happened in Dred Scott? People just think about it. Oh, Dred Scott's a terrible case that led to the uh, Civil War. It's like, um, first of all, the Dred Scott decision itself was actually a very good decision as far as uh, legal reasoning. The outcome was something they didn't like because the outcome was that the federal government had absolutely no authority to regulate slavery in the territories (laughs) and that you can't screw with people's slaves because they're their property. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with defending slavery. It has to do with the fact that the purpose of the court is there to interpret the Constitution and make rulings. And that's the actual correct ruling. That is correct. But the people that don't like that ruling, they're seeking other means to try to change this. But the court is right. And there it is. The Holy Supreme Court has said that the entire Missouri Compromise was unconstitutional. They don't have any authority to do it. That you can't take people slaves, you can't do this, you can't do that. Okay, so the court has made it very, very clear. And in fact, in the court, when they were discussing it, the justice who wrote the opinion, Tanny or Taney, I'm not sure how he pronounced it. I think most people say Tanny. But anyway, one of the things he said in there was that the framers of the Constitution believed that black people were, quote, so far inferior that they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. Think about that. Okay, so that's the court, I think, being quite honest about the framers and the Constitution. That's what the Three-Fifths Compromise was about. Everybody knew damn well that they were being held as slaves. Lincoln himself suggested they all go back. His comments about black people are hilarious. They're so terrible, so outrageous, but he acts like he's the great emancipator, and it had absolutely nothing to do with wanting slavery to be uh, gotten rid of. It was all very expedient. He was married to a woman whose family was a big slave owners. None of that stuff's consistent with someone who actually cares one tiny bit about black people or slavery or anything else. And his public writings and things like that. I'm sorry, I don't believe any of them. It's like believing anything else any politician says. They're just liars. He was a huge railroad lawyer who married into uh, this gigantic slave owning family. So all of the stuff he says about it is extremely circumspect. Is the letter he published made it clear that if he could keep the union together by freeing all the slaves, he would. By keeping all slaves, he would. By freeing some and keeping other slaves, he would. He didn't care. He didn't care. And in fact, his inaugural address opening also makes it clear that he's ready to defend this. But the point I'm making about it is that he's coming at it from a legal point of view. At that time, the Supreme Court had ruled the federal government has no authority whatsoever to screw around with slaves in the territories. It absolutely has no right to screw around with slaves inside the states themselves. And Lincoln promises he won't, in effect, in his inaugural address. And so then we're supposed to believe somehow that 
He's so interested in law and order and the Constitution and enforcing rights and everything else. But the reality is the stuff was all against him. It was against the North in every single way with regards to justifying this war against these states who had left. And by the time Lincoln was giving his inaugural address, seven of the 11 Confederate states had already left and formed another country. They already had left. It wasn't like there was an uprising going on. They were voting to leave. They saw the writing on the wall. They saw that Lincoln had been elected with no support from the South. They saw that they were never going to control the Senate or Congress. That means they were a permanent minority. And they see how antagonistic the North is towards them. And they see the writing on the walls. And they see what's happening financially with the tariffs and the other things. And they're crushing their economy. And they're trying to force them into a situation. Okay, well, they left. How come we didn't hear anything about trying to get the constitutional amendment? Why didn't they do that? Since that's the way you actually get it changed, right? Why didn't we hear that? Because they didn't have the 75%. They knew they could never get the votes. See, So it's no different than today with gun control, trans rights, gay rights. What they do is they go to the court. Well, what had happened is they'd gone to the courts. They'd lost because they so clearly have a loser of a legal position. The Constitution was a voluntary association, at least on its face, of the states. And a bunch of the states had slaves. And a bunch of the slaves were in the North as well. It was a part of life. And so to the extent you want to change that, you have to get a constitutional amendment. To the extent you want to change it without a constitutional amendment, there's no way to do it except for these methods they were using. And so the South left. So the reality is there's absolutely no support there legally for their position. And in fact, I'm going to do another show after this one where I show them my chat with chat GPT. And I go through the whole thing and that thing puts up a huge fight. I get it to admit the end that they had, in fact, no legal rights whatsoever or position. Their position was complete crap on this so-called complex legal issue revolving the right of the South to secede. I want to read through a little bit of Lincoln's inaugural address and just show you the kind of thing that would have sent Spooner just into absolute fucking apoplectic, pissed off states, just the same as me, because what he's hearing is no different than reading a speech by Joe Biden or Trump. It's just lies. He knows it's just a pack of lies because he knows what the court said and he disagrees with what the court said. He wrote his big slavery is unconstitutional essay back in the uh, 1840s after the Fugitive Slave Act case came out that said that if the federal government requested that state officials must comply and assist with returning slaves back to the slave owners. Well, the people in the states where they didn't want to do that weren't happy about it. But once again, they can't get constitutional amendments because they don't have the votes. And so they're hoping they can get it through the courts. And guess what? They keep losing because their positions are losers. And nowadays, just like throughout the 20th century, the court has 100% shifted. And all it does is grow the government all the time. It just grows the government all the time. And the constitutional conservatives are not honest about what's actually going on. They're not honest about it, and they pretend as though the court is still this superpower. And in fact, in Lincoln's address, he makes it very clear that the court opinions from the Supreme Court, they're not binding on everybody in any form or fashion. They're not. They're simply binding on the parties to the case and to their important precedential value, but they're not the law of the land. 
But my point being, again, that the case law was all very clear coming up because the law is very clear. And the actual way to change it all was through amendments and they couldn't do it. So they had to pretend with all these fancy words that somehow there was a question about secession or slavery and all this other shit that they were making up. But the reality is none of it was true. And it's the exact same kind of apologist nonsense that you get from constitutional conservatives. No constitutional conservative should ever support Lincoln. Not because he uh, didn't, in effect, at the end, so-called free the slaves. Okay, sure, that's what he had to do in order to stir up enough interest over time. But that's not what the war was about. And anybody can look at the progression of the United States government after the Civil War and just see it was about centralizing power and making sure that everybody knows you cannot leave and you cannot fight the federal government. And my chat with ChatGPT shows that exact same kind of thing. Let's look at some of the things that Lincoln said. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but people are welcome to, and I'll post it in a link with the show. So kind of opens it up, and there's a lot of apprehension in the southern states about what's going to go on with their property and their peace and their personal securities endangered and all that other stuff. But there's no cause for any of that concern because he's going to protect everybody uh, with their constitutional rights. Always at the same kind of shit, so... So here's kind of what he says. He makes a promise about this. I believe I have no lawful right to do so, meaning interfere with their rights to slaves and everything else. And I have no inclination to do so. Those who nominated and elected me did so with full knowledge that I had made this and many similar declarations, and I had never recanted them. And more than this, they placed in the platform for my acceptance and as to law themselves and to me, the clear and emphatic resolution which I now read. Resolved that the maintenance and violate of the rights of the states, especially the right of each state, in order to control its own domestic institutions according to its own judgment exclusively, is essential to the balance of power on which the perfection and endurance of our political fabric depend. And we denounce the lawless invasion by armed force of the soil of any state or territory, no matter what pretext, as among the gravest of crimes. Okay, that sounds good, right? Sounds good, except that it's total bullshit because. It's making it very clear here that he has absolutely no right. He knows legal right, and he doesn't intend on exercising any purported legal right to go down there and mess with their slaves. (laughs) He doesn't have any right to. Not under the Constitution. That's what he supposedly serves on. Then he acts like he's so upset he's going to defend any invasion of force in the soil of territory of the states. Well, he's talking about incursions from other states and private groups going and getting slaves and not bringing them back and all the fighting that was going on amongst different groups of people that involved things just like the Fugitive Slave Act and Dred Scott, where the people who were pushing for abolition were losing again and again and again in the courts because it's just obvious the structure of the Constitution permits it. Okay? It's just obvious as hell it does. And they don't have a legal case. And they can't get an amendment. It's identical to the gay marriage. It's identical to the gun rights. It's identical to all these types of things you see where the government just grows and grows. And here he is making a vow, a resolution when he's inaugurated that he's not going to do any of those things. He's not going to invade and he's not going to do anything. He's going to hold them uh, protected. All of that's complete lies. It turns out it's total lies. He's inaugurated there in March. The the Fort Sumter battle begins in April. At the time he's given a speech, he is continuing to hold federal forts in these southern states that had left and formed another country. So he's obviously antagonizing. Why? Because he doesn't believe they have a right to leave. Does he have any legal basis for that? He claims he does, but it's, in fact, a total and complete sham, like everything else he says. See, like everything else the man says. 
So let's continue. I now reiterate these sentiments, and in doing so, I only press upon the public attention the most conclusive evidence of which the case is susceptible, that the property, peace, and security of no section are to be in any wise endangered by the now incoming administration. (laughs) Think what a fucking lie that is. Total lie, right? I add, too, that all the protection which, consistently with the Constitution and the laws, can be given will be cheerfully given to all the states when lawfully demanded, for whatever cause, as cheerfully to one section as to another. Hear that? Got it? So he's just ignoring the fact that they've already voted to leave. Already voted to leave. And he touches on that, and that's, of course, what I'm going to also read when it comes to his supposed position, legal position. But listen to what he's saying. He's promising they're all going to get the protection. But then it's all doublespeak because he then calls it an insurrection. Well, I don't know how anybody voting to leave can be called an insurrection. That's a stretch. That's complete nonsense. This is typical government doublespeak, right? (laughs) So I'm going to skip over the parts he talks about, in effect, the Fugitive Slave Act and things like uh, Dred Scott and the implication of it and just move on to where it is that he justifies this idea that the southern states were not allowed to secede. Well, seven of them had already left. They'd already left. As soon as he got elected, that was it. They started leaving in December of 1860. Why? Because the writing's on the wall. That's it. They're leaving. They know what's coming. And all these proclamations by Lincoln, they're just lies. And of course, it does turn out that they're just lies because what Lincoln said and what Lincoln did and what Lincoln said and how he lived his life were completely and totally in contradiction to each other which is exactly like every other politician. And that's why, again, these constitutional conservatives pushed this crap. They both sides love Lincoln. Why? Because he turned the federal government into something you cannot fight and just completely and totally obliterated whatever the Constitution was. That's all there is to it. So let's pick it up here. I take the official oath today with no mental reservations and with no purpose to construe the Constitution or laws by any hypercritical rules. And while I do not choose now to specify particular acts of Congress as proper to be enforced, I do suggest that it will be much safer for all, both in official and private stations, to conform to and abide by all those acts which stand unrepealed than to violate any of them, trusting to find impunity in having them held to be unconstitutional. (laughs) Okay, this is constitutional doublespeak nonsense you get from these politicians talking about the Dred Scott opinion and the effect that the Missouri Compromise was unconstitutional. That's all. We hear all about how the Constitution is supposedly ruled by the Supreme Court. Well, there they go. They lost on it. They lost on it. But they have no intention of uh, living up to it. They have no intention of living up to it, and they can't get the uh, votes for an amendment. Okay, so this is what you get. You get Congress railroading the Constitution with laws, the Supreme Court checking it, and what happens? They simply go to war to kill the people who tried to voluntarily leave and vote to leave in order to enforce what has been ruled to be unconstitutional shit. This is what they actually did. <laughs> Let's continue. It is 72 years since the first inauguration of a president under a national constitution. During that period, 15 different and greatly distinguished citizens <laughs> have in succession administered the executive branch of the government. They have conducted it through many perils and generally with great success. God, does this sound exactly like the inaugural address of Grover Cleveland that sent him over the edge? It's just all bullshit, people. Yet, with all this scope for of precedent, 
I now enter upon the same task for the brief constitutional term of four years under great and peculiar difficulty. A disruption of the Federal Union heretofore only menaced is now formally attempted. See, so now a disruption of the Federal Union. So the people of the states, he just claimed, have all these rights, and he's going to protect all the states' rights to the maximum extent the Constitution allows. He's now calling it a disruption of the Federal Union. Well, there's absolutely nothing in the Constitution about the states not being able to secede. Nothing. And the Tenth Amendment says any and all rights not expressly granted to the federal government are hereby reserved for the states and the people. That means that the right to secession is clearly, unambiguously in the Constitution reserved to the states to do. And here he is acting like it's a disruption to the federal union. And it's still always the same thing, double talk. I hold that in contemplation of universal law and of the Constitution, the union of these states is perpetual. Okay, so he holds that. He's not in any position to hold that. He's not in any position to hold that. (laughs) So his position is that as the executive, he gets to hold this contemplation of universal law and of the Constitution. There's literally nothing in the Constitution whatsoever about it. And the government is a government of express powers only, period. And the Tenth Amendment makes it clear if it's not expressly given to the federal government, it's reserved to the states. It's not a complicated issue. It's just constantly and totally confused and put into a big giant ball and people are made to believe that they have to be constitutional experts to understand what's going on. They don't. It's very, very straightforward. But instead, it's the same kind of thing here with this constant total confusion. So listen to his argument. Perpetuity is implied, if not expressed, in the fundamental law of all national governments. No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. If it was going to be perpetual in the actual fundamental law, they would have put it into the Constitution. It's not what they did. That's not what they did. They just stated it in the preamble. And no states would have ever agreed to it. No state would have bound itself, certainly not the people then. They all knew that it was only as good as the next group of people agreed. And I've proved this countless different ways, but the simplest one is that one Congress can't even bind the next Congress. The idea that this single vote could somehow bind the state's people forever is preposterous. Okay, it's just preposterous. But this is his argument. It is safe to assert that no government proper ever had a provision in its organic law for its own termination. Okay, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Continue to execute all the express provisions of our national constitution and the union will endure forever. It being impossible to destroy it except by some action not provided for in the instrument itself. Nothing about the southern states leaving destroyed the Constitution. The people who were remaining in there, all the states that remained in there were welcome to go by the Constitution. They were welcome to. South wasn't saying the Constitution has ended, the Union has ended, you guys no longer have a country. They didn't say that because that's not what it was. But this is the, the kind of duplicitous fakery, the kind of sleight of hand that Lincoln, just like every other politician, brings in And the constitutional conservatives don't point out and make clear. Instead, they hide it under this idea that it's a complex issue with blah, blah, blah. It's not complex. So here we go. Again, if the United States be not a government proper, but an association of states in the nature of a contract merely, can it as a contract be peaceably unmade by less than all the parties who made it? One party to a contract might violate it, break it, so to speak, but does it not require all to lawfully rescind it? 
This is a, another great example of the kind of false argument. He's trying to act as though, well, let's look at their position, which is that it's a voluntary association, in effect, a contract between the states to form this union. Okay, well, if one person tries to leave, it's a violation of the contract. You break the contract. And therefore, all of them have to agree in order for it to be rescinded. Totally and completely misses the point. It's a horrible argument, typical of the kind of thing that a swarming lawyer slash politician makes. There are plenty of contracts that have multiple parties where any one party can leave. The contract runs on for any of the parties who want to continue it. It doesn't mean the contract in total is dissolved. It doesn't mean that everybody else is not free to go on with it. See, that's the argument he's trying to make there, that he's trying to compare it to as though I have an agreement with you and I'm entitled to break it. Well, no, if I break it, that's a problem. But I can't break something that I'm voluntarily in. If you have a contract that allows me to get in or get out and let the rest of the contract and the participants continue on, there's nothing unusual about a contract like that. And Lincoln would be well aware of that. So again, he's not an honest man. He speaks like a politician and a swarming lawyer. That's what he was, okay? And he used it to justify murdering hundreds of thousands of people in the name of couching himself in the protector of the Constitution. It's the worst kind of upside-down nonsense. And again, constitutional conservatives do not point this out. Even his so-called Emancipation Proclamation was, again, another chicken shit deal where he only freed slaves in territories the Union did not control and didn't even have control of them. In the areas the Union controlled, he didn't free the slaves. This is how insane it all is. Okay, so let's listen to the rest of his so-called argument that he gives in his speech. Descending from these general principles, we find the proposition that in legal contemplation, the union is perpetual. Okay, so descending from general principles. That doesn't work, guy. I just showed you why none of this is true. See, in the states would be listening to this, listening to this, and then four more states left after they heard this crap. (laughs) Because it's crap. See? Descending from these general principles, we find the proposition that in legal contemplation, The union is perpetual, confirmed by the history of the union itself. Uh, The history of the union itself has absolutely nothing to do. Even in any basic contract, every contract will say that this contract contains all the terms, period. So if you try to bring in what they call parole evidence of other things, never agreements, they're useless. And the Constitution is the absolute most fundamental case of that. They're not voting on these previous things. You can't know what anybody's thinking. You're voting on the terms as they are written, period. And then discussed, and that's why you have the the Bill of Rights as well. The people were so suspicious. But here he is. He's making this other bullshit argument based upon universal law and general principles. It's all bullshit. The Union is much older than the Constitution. That's utter shit. See, that's complete and total sophistry. That's not a part of that's true. It was formed, in fact, by the Articles of Association in 1774. No, it wasn't. That was a completely different agreement. It was matured and continued by the Declaration of Independence in 1776. Think of the absolute arrogance and absurdity of an argument like that. He is trying to add in the Declaration of Independence to support his argument, which the Declaration of Independence says that the people have a right to violently overthrow any government they care to if it becomes tyrannical. And he's citing it as though it's part of the union itself. And he's citing it in a speech where he's basically letting the South know that you're not allowed to leave and we're not going to recognize it. (laughs) It's the exact opposite. 
It was further matured in the faith of all then 13 states expressly plighted and engaged that it should be perpetual by the Articles of Confederation in 1778. Well, again, total shit, right? Makes no sense. If that was an actual perpetual union, which the people knew back then couldn't exist, well, then the Constitution wouldn't have any validity. The Articles of Confederation would still be in force. But instead, what happened is we got the Constitution through a completely and total extra legal system of a committee that didn't even have any authority to write a new Constitution coming from the Articles of Confederation, and then with a rigged up vote and ratification. (laughs) And finally, in 1787, one of the declared objects for ordaining and establishing the Constitution was to form a more perfect union. But if the destruction of the Union by one or by a part only of the states be lawfully possible, the Union is less perfect than before the Constitution, having lost the vital element of perpetuity. (laughs) It's so stupid. See, it's so deceptive. It's so outrageously deceptive. There's nothing about the perpetuity of the Constitutional Union that's been affected by some of the states leaving. The Union continued to run on as long as the other states agree to it, just like he said originally. As long as the provisions of a national constitution are uh, executed, the uh, union endures forever. It's true. If anything this guy was saying was true about this idea that by one or part only the state's lawfully possible union is less perfect, well, the union is less perfect when you add a new state. Just because it's bigger doesn't mean it's less perfect. If it was perfect with the number of states and you never should have been able to add a state to it, that would also destroy the element of continuity of the number. <laughs> so it's just all made up, people. See, it's all made up. And here's how he finishes this supposed theory. It follows from these views <laughs> that no state upon its own mere motion can lawfully get out of the union, that resolves and ordinances to that effect are legally void, and that acts of violence within any state or states against the authority of the United States are insurrectionary or revolutionary according to circumstances. <laughs> you got it? So... He considers voting to leave a revolution or insurrection, and you can't challenge the authority of the United States government, even though he cites the Declaration of Independence as being additional proof that the Union was there. He completely ignores the Tenth Amendment. He completely ignores all the actual facts, which my chat with ChatGPT show. And instead, he puts out this thing that sounds great to fools, but the people who got it They read it and understood, just like Spooner would have read it and understood, just like the people in the other states that continue to leave understood. This is all just bullshit. And all he's actually doing is a bunch of fancy words to cover up the fact that you try and leave, they're going to send an army down there to kill you. That's what they're going to do. I therefore consider that in view of the Constitution and the laws, (laughs) the Union is unbroken. So he's concluding that the Constitution and the laws actually give him the authority to prevent secession and not recognize it. That's what he says. And I'm going to show you in the next show how total and completely bullshit that is, okay? So he's he's stating it as though he's just made the case. But in fact, all he's really doing is making the case that it's crap. And to the extent of my ability, I shall take care, as the Constitution itself expressly enjoins upon me, that the laws of the Union be faithfully executed in all the states. The absolute 179 club nature of these statements, just I can't express them strongly enough. He's literally turning the entire thing on its head and acting like he's doing the right thing. How 
often is this the case with politics? This is all they're in the business of doing, lying and deceiving all the time. And when they can't get their way, they can't get an amendment, they can't get their rulings, they just bring force. And if it means having to kill hundreds of thousands of people, that's what they'll do. If it means having to burn all their shit, that's what they'll do. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal man? (laughs) Well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. This is all they're in the business of doing, lying and deceiving all the time. And when they can't get their way, they can't get an amendment, they can't get their rulings, they just bring force. And if it means having to kill hundreds of thousands of people, that's what they'll do. If it means having to burn all their shit, that's what they'll do. That's what they'll do. Doing this, I deem to be only a simple duty on my part. Oh, that's all. Murdering hundreds of thousands of people with no legal right to. It's just a simple duty on his part. And I shall perform it so far as practicable, unless my rightful masters, the American people, shall withhold the requisite means or in some authoritative manner direct the contrary. So, in other words, if you're a minority inside the American situation, the Union, like the South was, you apparently don't have any rightful means of doing it because you can't get a constitutional amendment. The language in the Constitution and the Tenth Amendment is clear as day and the executive's ignoring it. How often does situations like this occur, right? All the stinking time people see it. And that's all that's going on here. I trust this will not be regarded as a menace, but only as the declared purpose of the union that will constitutionally defend and maintain itself. (laughs) Uh, This is it. See, this is it. He's threatening the people by saying he's not going to threaten them. We all know what's going to happen. If you try to leave like you did and start your own country, it's not going to stand. We're not going to allow it. Well, if you've already voted and left and formed your own country and the people you left are saying you can't leave, um, it's difficult to understand what that means, except you're going to war. And of course, that was what was coming and everybody knew it. And a month later, it did come. It did come. It's just the typical doublespeak. And that's all I'm going to read from as far as his inaugural address. It's not all that long and people might be interested in reading it all if they care to. It's interesting to me because it's just so much doublespeak, exactly like you get with every other politician. And it just shows such a clear example, in my opinion, at least, that what the government wants, the people driving it, they're going to get. And if they can couch it in terms of protecting the Constitution, that's what they do. And that's why the constitutional structure can never work, because they can make it sound like it's anything. And even when they are clearly going against it, like in this case, nothing could be clearer than that the South had the right to secede. Nothing. It's such a slam dunk, and you'll see with the chat GPT how clear it really was. But 
Nothing could be clearer. And the Supreme Court, like I said, was continuously slapping them down on this issue of slavery because, again, nothing was really so clear as that the South was entitled to have the slaves. That's what the three-fifths compromise was all about. And you saw how the Supreme Court saw the founders' view of black people, and Lincoln's views were just as outrageous. They really were. Civil War was not about slavery. Yes, the political drive up to it, people were disagreeing, but the Civil War was about making sure that every minority group inside the United States that decided to try to fight the federal government was going to get its wrath and find out. Now, the individuals know that. Small groups know that. Now the states all know. You go to fight them, they're just going to kill you. That's what criminal enterprises do, all under the guise of so-called protecting you, just like he said here. He's going to protect the states and all this other crap. It's just doublespeak. It's doublespeak. It's the same kind of nonsense you get with every other constitutional conservative position. That's why it doesn't work. See, that's why it doesn't work, because the constitutional structure can never work unless you have a governmental structure that's designed to withstand the fact that you have to expect and count on whoever's in government, running government, in charge of government, in every kind of way has the worst kind of intentions is simply criminal enterprise to those people. They will do whatever they care to. If you don't have a system that can withstand that and protect you in that, you don't have a system that can work. And the constitutional system is specifically designed to eliminate the system, which was the Articles of Confederation, that did work to limit the federal government. And they got the Constitution, and ever since then, it's been trampled. And to the extent that there's anything even remotely like a Constitution, a voluntary agreement, it's preposterous. And my chat GPT proves it. And I think it's pretty funny. I'm looking forward to doing that show. So there you go. I wanted to give that background of what kind of things Spooner would see, kind of through Spooner's eyes, living through these just endless lies and hypocrisy of government over and over and over again. Like I said, they hadn't even started with the legal tender laws and jerry-rigging the court in order to jam that through because when they first tried to jam that through after the Civil War, the Supreme Court slapped them down. Then they rigged it up with the court packing scheme, and then they brought the case back a year later and the court flipped itself on a five to four decision. It's always the same scam, people. It's always the same scam. And what I'm trying to show you is that these constitutional conservatives who continue to act like the problem is with liberals, it's not. The problem is is the construction of the document and the way it's easily abused. And the problem is that the people in government are terrible people. And people like Lincoln, who they defend and claim is a great man, He's not a great man. He was a horrible man. He was a tyrant. He was a murderer. He was a war criminal. And he had absolutely no legal basis to do what he did. And he did it for all these made-up reasons, just like they run around and claim that all this equity and stuff is just for binary this and gender fluid that is all just to try to have equality when absolutely they have no authority under any of these things to do that and has nothing to do with equality, has to do with completely degrading our culture. And it doesn't matter. Every single issue government touches is always exactly like this. And I just think it's very helpful to go back through and look at least parts of it to show you what was actually going on. See what was actually going on during that time. So so that's what I wanted to say about it. I hope I made the point. And hopefully you now understand a little bit more about the kind of milieu that uh, Spooner was writing in and that he was saying and why he was so pissed. Same reason when I see all this garbage that comes out, I just detest government. I detest the people that support it and defend it. Tell me about how wonderful the Constitution is. They're just, they're either in on the scam or they're just complete and totally brainwashed fools. That's it. It's the only possible option at this point. So if you want to follow me, you can. I'm Legal Man at US Crime Review on Twitter 
want to thank the people in Patreon who support my show, kick some skin in the game, make it worth my time to make the show. It's not like I don't take risks making the show. <laughs> it's not. But I think people deserve to hear the truth. Uh, I don't know if we really have much of a chance of getting enough people to understand, but I do think people deserve to hear the truth. And I tell people the truth. And it's not popular with a lot of people, and that's okay. That's okay. Most people are NPCs. Most people are mutant scooter people. Most people are brainwashed cult members. They're never going to be reached. They've been brainwashed since the time they were born. They're brainwashed 24-7 by constitutional conservatives who lied to them endlessly about virtually every single issue. And I think they deserve to hear the truth. So thank you to the people in Patreon who support my show. I know you do it because you have a lot of integrity. You understand that what I've provided is a fantastic shortcut on time and money. And in all likelihood, you probably never could have put all the pieces together. And I put a lot of pieces together that people are maybe thinking kind of about. They can't really put words to it. And I give them extreme clarity on the points. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. And the movie Jones Plantation, I play Mr. Jones, a kind of a drunk dick plantation owner. The story was written by Larkin Rose. It's a great allegory about going from chattel to debt slavery. And we make fun of the entire system. And it's, it's definitely coming out soon. We're going to have a movie here anytime. And exactly how it's going to get released, I'm not sure. It's going to be available in the ways people like. I know DVDs are probably kind of dead, but I don't know. We'll have downloads, maybe a flash drive. I'm not sure exactly. But that's still being decided. But it is coming out soon. I hope when it comes out, people like it. hope they like the way I played Mr. Jones. And I hope they make it make a lot of money. Because if they'll buy that movie and buy it for friends and everything else, then we'll make enough money that we can make more movies. And movies are a great way to reach people. Because they're very subtle. So, And I think that's about the last of the updates. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time.